the problem. You know, I could lose it, but I just kept putting it back on. And I did low carb, I did keto, I did fasting, like everything worked for a bit. And then it just didn't like, it was too hard. It was really just too hard to, to keep going this constant battle of like getting healthy and then it, and then kind of giving up and then getting healthy and, and then like giving up and just this yo-yo dieting. And like every time my weight just got worse and worse and my health got worse and worse, my weight got worse and worse over the years and just ballooning, ballooning, ballooning. And then when I actually got to that low carb down under, I'd actually kind of given up, which is pretty sad actually to admit. It's pretty embarrassing, but I do talk about it because it's part of who I am. And I think it gives context to the whole carnival story. So I'd pretty much given up on trying to be healthy myself. Like I knew what to do to help patients, but I just kind of couldn't do it myself, which sounds really silly, but it's just, it just gets too hard. And so it actually was pretty easy for me because carnivore was like, okay, well, on one hand, I'm really overweight. I'm probably going to get diabetes. I'm borderline pre-diabetic. Like in America, I would have been pre-diabetic. My HbA1c was 5.7. So like I was heading that way. I've got heart disease in the family. I've got, you know, low heart disease in the family, high blood pressure, um, diabetes in the family. And I'm heading that way as well. I'm genetically blessed to just be obese and be unhealthy. This is just my lot in life. I just, I can't deal with this anymore. Or I go on the carnivore and it maybe just fixes me. Like those are my two options. Like, I mean, that's not even a choice. <laughs> I was always going to do carnival. Yeah, but really is it. Yeah, but I'd, I'd kind of given up at that point because everything was just too hard. Everything was just too much. Everything was just, nah, I just, I can't do it. And so I did carnivore and I came, I heard his talk and I was like, okay, something just clicked. Okay, this guy's talking about it. This kind of makes sense. I think I can get behind this. I think this is probably a, a diet, quote unquote, that I can do for the rest of my life. Cause I like eating and I like eating meat yeah. and I like the idea that I don't have to count macros. I don't have to count calories. I don't have to like fast if I don't want to. And you know, I just kind of eat when I'm hungry. Don't eat when I'm not. Yeah. Like I can get behind this. This sounds pretty easy. Cause that was always my Achilles heel was like the counting and everything was just at the times it just got, it's just got too much. Yeah. So I came back and I said to my wife, I was like, I want to do this like crazy diet. And like, what do you think? Like, do you think this is okay? Because I didn't want her to be really like worried about me or anything. And she was basically just said, well, you're really fat and unfit anyway. <laughs> like you're basically unhealthy. Like, good <laughs> like yeah, you know, she basically just said like, you're really unhealthy anyway. And, and you know, like in a nice way, like, you know, you don't have good genes. You know, you've got heart disease in the family. Like, you know, you're pre-diabetic, borderline pre-diabetic. You know, you're getting worse. Like, what's the worst that happens? You do it for a few months and you yeah. give it up like every other diet you've ever done. What's the worst that happens really, you know? And this is yeah. like your last ditch attempt, like, go for it. Like, fully behind you, absolutely, I will support you 100%. So I did. Next day, I was like, right, carnival. That was it. Like, just literally straight into it. Day one, just pure carnival, strict, like, literally meat. That was it. And that was 14 months ago. And I just have not looked back since. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, first off, um, I mean, kudos to your patient. That's, uh, that, that was pretty strong of him to say, look, you're, you're my doctor and you're just going to take it or not. Yeah. So, uh, well done. Um, 
and yeah, what better way? Like I, I keep saying to people too, like you can't uh, just talk to someone and convince them that this is going to work. The best way to do it is to um, just lead by example. Mm-hmm. You know, do it yourself. Let them see the results. You know. Um, yeah, that that talk by Dr. Chafee, you know, plants are trying to kill you is brilliant, actually. Um, and uh, is your wife carnivore as well, or no? She's differently. Yeah, no, she's um, she's not really carnivore. She is more animal based, um, and we can talk about the differences between yeah. that if you want to. Um, yeah, she yeah. has over the years tried to do like low carb, keto, fasting, because she always saw the benefits in me. And every time I saw benefits, like, don't get me wrong, low carb, keto, fasting, amazing. Like they all worked for a time and then they got too hard. So she, she kind of tried those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Carry on. I find like the problem is for most people, when they go to any sort of keto, sort of uh, low carb sort of diet, um, they still keep, part of that addiction that the carb addiction yep um and that was you can't really that make was a my clean issue. break for one yes yeah that, that you can't was make my a issue. clean break and yeah and it's complicated they're always worried about calories they're always worried about uh, their macros like how much of this should i be eating of each macro um mm-hmm. and a lot of people just don't understand what they get from each match each macro either so it it makes it complicated. Correct. Uh, I can understand that. I can understand. I mean, uh, I was training as a strength coach. And I, I was sort of been counting macros, you know, for the last 30 years. So it's not that big a deal. Um, but I think the biggest thing is kicking that carb addiction when you always uh, keep them in your meal plan. It, it's a very difficult uh, sort of process. Mm. You know? Yeah. No, um, I just see one of my patients has <laughs> actually just commented, yeah. Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for tuning in. Um, that, yeah, I mean, I think that comes across to my patients, you know, that I just seem so much happier and, and like she said, liberated um, to uh, that since I've, you know, been doing carnival. But yeah, it was always a, it was always a problem on, on carnival, on, on low carb keto fasting. It was always like, okay, it's rich regimented. It's like, hey, am I in ketosis? Like how many carbs am I having today? And yeah. I was always the loophole guy as well. It was like, okay, well, I can low carb, I can have like 70 grams of sugar. So I'll have 70 yeah. grams of sugar. And then it yeah. was kind of like, okay, well, I can have like 75 today if I have 65 tomorrow. And, you know, like it's an yeah. average, it's fine. You know, yeah. like I was always, then keto was like, I don't, I don't have to be in ketosis every single day. You know, I'd always find a yeah. way to kind of like sabotage myself just because of that addiction. And that was what low carbon keto and even fasting never did for me was get rid of that addiction to kind of food and to sugar. Um, but when I went carnivore, that got rid of the addiction. And yeah. it sounds weird because I kind of just, I went cold turkey into it, but well, I have that, I do have that kind of mindset when I go on something, like I can go hard on it for a while. I yeah. kind of kept feeling like okay well this is this is going to end at some point you know like i'm, I'm going to go back at some point because i'm just going to be addicted to sugar and it's going to be too hard but there was no counting there was no macros there was no like am i in ketosis am i not in ketosis like i didn't really care about that it was okay i eat when i'm hungry i don't eat when i'm not i don't really have to force fast like anything like that it was just so simple there were no rules mm-hmm. that i actually just never stopped and it was like okay well I'm three months in now. I'm six months in, 12 months in. 
Like this is, this is easy. Like, and I've got absolutely no desire to kind of go back to eating that just junk food um, and real like sugary snacks and treats. And cause it's just like, it's not food anymore. Something just kind of clicked yeah. in me that this is not food. Why am I eating it? Like, why am I putting it in my mouth? Like it might as well just be like dirt or, or cardboard yeah. or like a piece of wood. It's like, there's no nutrition. There was a piece of wood sitting here. Like I wouldn't just go and pick that up and eat it. <laughs> like, why am I eating a Tim Tam? There's no nutrition. Mm. Makes me feel good for about five seconds. And then I'm like, I feel shit. Excuse the language. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your channel. <laughs> Yeah, because right. because yeah. like okay i've just basically eaten rubbish for no reason like why am i doing this so that just kind of all just cured my sugar addiction almost overnight and that the difference there is just incredible yeah yeah no you're right i mean the the difference between even um i found even from like a low carb diet to carnivore is like night and day um it really if, is feel you feel good on the keto like a la, uh, low carb diet you feel good um but it's kind of like you're 90 percent there but that extra 10 percent is like a completely different world you know mm. uh, and like i said like you to get away from uh, carb addiction you, you need a clean break so we've got a question here yeah what are your thoughts on so-called natural sweeteners like uh, Napia here in Oz that I use a lot when uh, on keto? Um, I think it's made mainly from erythri erythritol. Uh, yeah. Erythritol. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Erythritol. Um, does it stuff up a carnivore diet? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not specifically aware of Natvi. I'm just having a little quick look at it now on my other kind of browser. But um, it, yeah, it looks like it's kind of maybe stevia and erythritol. Um, I mean, I guess it, it really depends on what you're trying to do with carnivore. At the end of the day, Lisa. Um, thank you for the question. I think it's a really good question, by the way. Um, yeah. It depends what you're trying to achieve with carnivore. Um, if you want to just kind of get healthy generally, maybe lose some weight. You know, you're not too worried about autoimmune conditions, gut microbiome, you know, this kind of thing. A little bit of natural sweetener like stevia is not going to be a huge concern. Um, erythritol is not my ideal sweetener. I mean, most sweeteners are really not ideal anyway. Um, a little bit is not really going to cause you a massive problem. If you start having a lot of it in like loads of stuff and making all these like keto cheesecakes and whatever and like just pouring full of sweeteners, like, yeah, there's going to be an issue there. Um, I do have some concerns around sweeteners though. Uh, number one, they can screw up insulin signaling. Um, they can really mess up with insulin resistance and ins insulin signaling, which can be a big problem. Again, if you're trying to lose weight, yes, they can be useful as a sugar substitute, but in many ways you might actually just be better off eating the sugar to be quite honest with you, because yeah. they can really screw up insulin signaling and that can screw up your weight loss, uh, you know, kind of goals. Uh, they can mess with the gut microbiome as well. And there's ones which have been specifically researched, like sorbitol, um, saccharin, things like that. Erythritol, I'm not sure if that's been specifically studied, but it probably does the same thing. There's concerns around sweeteners, specifically erythritol and other ones there are as well, that they may be carcinogenic and potentially you know, increasing the risk of GI cancers. Uh, again, possibly down to insulin signaling, you know, GI microbiome, you know, kind of just screwing up as well. Um, 
and the other kind of concern I have with them is, is it just kind of continuing this sweetness addiction? And that, to touch back on what we we're talking about, low carbon keto, is, um, you know, the the idea that, okay, you're just kind of feeding this addiction, you're feeding the sugar addiction because you just keep giving it all the time, that dopamine hit from the food, sweeteners can just keep doing that. And that's a concern that I have with sweeteners, with myself, and I'm sure there's others out there like that, um, that you're just kind of continuing that sugar addiction, that sweetness rather. And so it's going to be harder and harder to get off that. It's kind of like if you're smoking, you know, you're drinking. Yes, in a way, you don't want to go cold turkey because you can have a difficult time. But at the same time, if you kind of keep drinking, it's hard to get off that because you just keep feeding that addiction. I think that's another uh, problem with the the keto and low carb sort of uh, diet sort of um, problem is that they they do come up with all these alternative uh, sort of low carb sort of uh, desserts and things like that that just feed the addiction. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't myself replicate. I don't try to replicate. Uh, junk food on the carnival. I know there's a lot of people that have like carnival pizza and carnival uh, ice cream and all this other sort of stuff. But um, myself, I just, you know, I stick to the, to, to meat and eggs and butter and, and that that is basically it. Mm -hmm. um, I think replicating the junk food that you're trying to break the addiction from is just going to make it more difficult. Yeah. Um, I, think, any, I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. I just and I think uh, any kind of artificial sweetener is a highly processed sort of um, sweetener, and it's. I mean, obviously, there's, they're not going to tell you all of the side effects because they don't know a lot of the side effects, but uh, it's certainly going to spike insulin anyway, and certainly, um, why, uh, like you said, it just answered brilliantly. Actually, it's it's going to be a problem with uh, insulin insulin sensitivity and things like that. So. I would just stay away from them. If you're gonna, if you are gonna use any kind of sugar, use a, a cane sugar. It's gonna be, at least it's natural, and at least it will. Um, it, I think in that case, it will be healthier than an, than an artificial sweetener. That's right. Yeah. I mean, just a really quick note on that. You just reminded me there, um, David. So natural. You know, they use the words like natural. It's kind of this form of greenwashing. Um, they can call erythritol natural, even though it's essentially made in a lab because it naturally is actually produced inside the human body as well in really small yeah. quantities, but they're allowed to kind of call it natural for that reason. And it's really anything but, <laughs> but they're allowed yeah. to call it natural. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, I just think you're just heading into all sorts of trouble. If you're trying to make uh, more sweets on a, you know, even though it's low carb, it's uh, it still has its effects on the body, and it does. It, it also has uh, blockers. It blocks actually blocks your body from uh, losing weight, losing fat. If that's what your goal is. Mm -hmm. But you know, as you said, it, it also depends on your goals. You know, there's nothing. I mean, anything over seventy percent meat is gonna. You, you sort of pretty much class as a carnivore, and it, it's not gonna make that bigger difference if you are healthy it's not going to make that that bigger difference if you have a day off every now and then you know no it won't um, and have a, a tiny yeah, bit here and right. there yeah it's really not going to cause you any harm if you're doing keto cheesecakes and stuff every single day like yeah that's 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 going to be an issue yeah yeah 
So, you know, I know Christmas is coming up and people are going to have a very hard time getting through Christmas. But, I mean, there are ways to avoid it. But don't be too hard on yourself either if you indulge a little bit. Just don't do it, you know, for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Voltaire said, you know, um, perfection is the enemy of good. Um, I think yeah. pretty sure that's the that's the saying there from Voltaire. So sound very very clever when I quote people like that. Um, but, yeah, but basically, it's just <laughs> saying you don't have to be perfect all the time. You know, we're not seeking absolute perfection. No, we just need no. to be good, and that's and that's enough. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, actually, I just put something like that up this morning. Actually, you know, greatness is not about doing great things all the time. It's about being good more consistently. You know. So it's about consistency when it comes to weight or health. It's not, you're not going to be perfect every day, but consistently over a long period of time is how you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so another, and that, that brings you to another good question. It would be, um, now, you are a GP in Brisbane, Australia, and how do you find that on now that you are carnival? Do you have any difficulties um, in your profession? Interesting question. Yes and no. Um, yes, or, or maybe no is the quicker answer. No, um, I mean, it's been beneficial because I'm getting more patients because they people struggle to find a doctor that's actually going to take them seriously doing carnival. Whether or not it's helping them with carnival, most of them it's just they just don't want to be shoved onto medications. That's <laughs> most of my patients now. They just don't want to be shoved onto medications, statins particularly. And we can talk about statins if you want. Um, but otherwise, yes, there are some challenges. Um, interestingly, like not actually so much from the carnival side, which is interesting because mostly, I mean, the people that I work with now, they either just don't really care or they just, they're like, yeah, well, you know, you get entry, you get good results for patients. So yeah, you know, fine. It's essentially a ketogenic diet. Some of my, you know, colleagues actually that I work with listen to this, listen to my podcast anyway. So they're, they're pretty kind of okay with what I'm doing. They're just interested more than anything else. They're not doing it themselves. They're just, okay, well, we'll listen to what you're talking about. Um, it's more actually the, uh, the deprescribing actually that's, that's actually the issue, which is kind of interesting. And I, had actually difficulties at my at my previous clinic um, that I left. I won't name them because I'll probably get sued. Uh, but one of the previous clinics, let me say, that I worked in, they actually kind of systematically tried to just get rid of me, uh, bullying and harassment and complaints to management and stuff all the time that I didn't really find out about until I actually left. And then I kind of met with the management, the senior management, and they were kind of detailing all of these allegations, you know, that people were, were kind of uh, saying um, that they, they basically just batted away every time. They're like, well, there's, there's nothing here. Like, you know, stop being, stop harassing him basically. Um, and they weren't happy with me deprescribing. They weren't happy with me kind of, you know, working with, with patients to actually stop medications to get people healthy. Um, they weren't happy that the, the patients were then kind of preferring, you know, my care and then coming back to me. I wasn't like trying to steal patients or anything. Like I don't care who people see at the end of the day, as long as they get in the care, that's great. But they weren't happy because then the patients were saying, well, hang on, like if you're going to deprescribe, if you're going to actually spend time with me, if you're going to actually be responsive and, you know, answer phone calls and all that kind of stuff, like why would I not come and see you? 
So then actually the other doctors got really, really angry with that because they were then losing patients. And then the patients were coming back saying to them, you know, saying, well, why aren't you deprescribing? Why aren't you stopping these drugs? Like if I can, if I can stop these drugs, if I don't need them anymore, why are you not stopping them? Yeah. And that, that obviously, I mean, understandably then caused issues yeah. in their kind of doctor patient relationship. And that was never my intention, of course. Um, but uh, I actually had issues of, with the deprescribing. Sorry, the whole yeah, yeah. Well, I can I, I can understand that, but the whole goal of a doctor is to try and get their patients healthy, isn't it? Should be, yeah. <laughs> should be, should be. But yes. the system I mean, that's what, is yeah, is that's not. The oath they take. That's it. I mean, you know, the oath of Geneva, which we take now. Everyone always cites the Hippocratic oath. We haven't taken that in decades. Um, yeah. The oath of Geneva. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Please don't ask me to quote it. But yeah. you know, essentially, <laughs> is you know, it's along the lines of do no harm and so on. And uh, and basically, it. Yeah, we should be deprescribing. We should be stopping medications, and we should be looking out for the patient's interests, not our own financial interests, not our own kind of bank balance, our own balance sheet, and so on. And part of that really so does, is. Does that mean? Does that mean that uh, when you prescribe, you actually earn more money? No, uh, not not in Australia. No, I mean, like America. I know a lot of doctors get wooed by drug companies and there's all sorts of stuff you know opioid epidemic and stuff like no in australia no there's no there's no kickbacks in australia anything like that um which people often think there is but no there isn't genuinely there's not we don't get paid if we prescribe drugs no but there it's the it's the keeping people on the hook yeah you know it's 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 the drug dealer it's like well i'll give i'll give you a, a bit of a bit of cocaine and then you you just keep coming back to me because you want that hit yeah. every time and yeah, it's like that with opioids, but yeah. I don't think anyone really intentionally does that, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's that thing of, okay, well now I've got a captive audience, you know, only I can give you the pills that you, that, I, that I'm telling you that you need. And, and there's, there's little incentive then to get the patient off those drugs, because if you get the patient off those drugs, if you get that patient healthy, they're gone. They don't, they don't come back. Because they're, they're fixed. Yeah. They don't need to come back, which is great. And that should be our job. But yeah. there's obviously a bit of a financial disincentive there to actually make people better. I think, don't get me wrong, individually, no doctor, I think, is probably really thinking of this on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not actively sitting there going, how can I keep my patients addicted to my drugs? No, not really. No, don't get me wrong. But it just doesn't really enter their head that, you know, that this is, this is actually a good thing to deprescribe. It's a good thing to get patients off your books, get them well and get them not needing you. Well, yeah, I think a, a lot of them um, think that the medications are actually doing a good thing for them as well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's keeping them healthy. Genuinely. Yeah. Like I think pretty much all doctors are really yeah. just trying to do the best for their patients. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, they probably do think those medications are actually helping the patient on the whole. Yeah. Um, but there is definitely this kind of angst about, you know, you know, you can't, you know, deprescribe, like, you know, don't try and help my patients with diet and, you know, this kind of stuff, just keep yourself yeah. to yourself and, you know, stop interfering basically. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of similar to like, you know, Gary Fetke and, you know, Tim Noakes and, and even yeah, Dr. Baker, you know, essentially, you know, the system says we yeah. want the money, stop trying to help people. <laughs> We want the money. Well, the, yeah, the system the system wants them wants us all dependent. Yeah, um, pretty and, much. Yeah, they want us reliant on them for well, basically for our life. Um, but it's I don't think it's exactly. I mean, the system itself 
yeah, you can think what you want, whether it's you know evil or not. But um, I don't think it's down to the individual doctors no. quite that bad. Uh, individually, it's, it's I, I just think that genuinely they think they are doing it to better your health. Yeah, they um, they do, they do, and yeah, like people don't. Don't don't get me wrong, like, you know, no individual doctor is really thinking they want to keep you addicted to medications or anything like that. But it's just the underlying kind of system, the underlying undertone um, that we're yeah. just we're just not taught as doctors how to actually make people better. And yeah. and that that's the sad thing. So I do. Yeah, that's the sad thing. That's it the, is. The true, yeah, that's the part that people don't understand is that doctors are just are not educated to get people healthy. They are educated to. Uh, detect a, a a problem and treat and treat that problem with with a, a medication, and that's pretty much it. Um, pretty much. So that that that's the difficult part. You can't. I mean, we, we I think as people too, we've, we've become too reliant on that as well. We take no responsibility for ourselves as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's always a pill. You know. Absolutely. And that's that's a, a kind of a two or threefold problem. I mean, number one, yes, there's this big safety net, which is like, no matter what happens to me, I can have surgery. Like if I have a heart attack, I'll probably have surgery and I'll survive and I'll be fine. Um, if I get cancer, I'll get chemo and I'll, be, and I'll probably be okay. Um, if I, you know, break my leg, it's fine because I'll get a hip replacement, you know, no, no big deal, basically. So there's this kind of safety net there, which so people are not incentivized to actually get themselves healthy. Um, and there's always a drug to kind of, you know, help people's symptoms. And then number two is, yeah, people are so disempowered, just the general yeah. population. They, they don't know how to cope with anything. They don't know how to deal with anything. Um, and I don't mean like, oh, they, people just can't cope, you know, stop crying about things. No, I don't mean that. I just mean like, you know, they're so disempowered, they're so disenfranchised, they don't know, you know, what's the temperature? Like, what is the temperature in a kid? Like, when do you actually yeah. need to, to see, you get take your kid to see a, a, a doctor? I mean, number yeah. one, if you're really worried, yes, definitely take your kid to see a doctor. But they, they just, people don't know how to actually help themselves. There's this big well, reliance on doctors now and a, um, with that drug safety net. Yeah, and I think there's a reason for that too, is the education Um I mean, the re there's a reason that doctors are not educated to actually get people off drugs. There's a reason uh, that our education uh, doesn't teach us how to eat properly. There's mm -hmm. a reason that even in um, the health sciences, it's, you know, the whole thing is, is just the whole system itself is it's just, I mean, in my mind, it's just completely corrupt. Um, it is. But, uh you start to sound like a conspiracy theorist, you know, I don't think anyone's really out to be evil or whatever. And you know, what's the saying? It's just, it's not personal. It's just business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's it. uh, yeah, look, it's not on the individual level, but you know, if you, as you go climbing the ladder, it, it is very much so. Um, cold Turkey, uh, you know, this, um, cold Turkey addiction, you know, sugar addiction, this brings me to the next point. Some of the problems that people, when they do go carnivore, they get um, the feeling of low energy, um, what they call carnivore flu and things like that. Did you have any of those symptoms when you went when you went to carnivore? Uh, I did. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd been low carb keto like on and off for years. So, and I'd done fasting, prolonged fasting, you know, things like that. So I got it probably a lot less than I would have done 
if I'd have not done all that before. Because every time you kind of get in and out of ketosis, you, your body kind of gets a bit more used to it. Um, what I got this time was like, when I went carnivore, was severe headache. Severe headache. And um, yeah, that was that was a problem uh, for about three days. I got really bad headache, I think, if I remember correctly. I didn't really get any other issues like keto flu because I'd been, I mean, I had keto flu before, so I've been in and out of stuff. But yeah, headache particularly yeah. was really bad. I don't know if that was keto flu or going off coffee. Could have been either because I went like super cold turkey, everything. Like coffee, everything stopped. Oh, okay. Just just like that. So. Yeah, coffee does that. <laughs> that could have been coffee. Yeah. yeah. Coffee is so bad for that. Yeah. And if, you know, when I was on keto, I'm uh, if I took a, like, even just took a day off without coffee, massive headache. Yeah. 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 I actually, I did about, well, probably like near like nine months maybe without coffee. Um until my son was born and then it was like okay i'm not sleeping <laughs> i need something to function and it was back yeah. to coffee yeah 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 that's fair i mean most a lot of carnivores still drink coffee and it's you know whatever i mean i, I think like the, we said it's pretty, no one's gonna be perfect no. you know you don't animal, you yeah. don't need to be perfect and of all of all the vices it's no. like it's 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 not a, a huge deal like one coffee a day is not a huge deal it's really not no, that's right. No. It's not a big one, is it? No. Um, now this is good to hear. Lisa, uh, your GP suggested carnivore to you. Excellent. Very good. Very good to hear. Yeah, especially rheumatoid and uh, interstitial cystitis there, um, which is probably yeah. the oxalates that's causing that. But yeah, no, great to hear. Yeah, people actually talking to their patients about carnivore. Fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, something we can talk about now too is oxalates. Mm. Now, ox oxalates cause all, all manner of problems too, uh, inflammation being one of them. Um, can you tell us more about oxalates? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to preface this with I'm by no means an expert. Um, if people do want experts, then people like Sally Norton um, or the Wizards of Ox on YouTube, really good resources. Sally, I learned a lot from Sally Norton's book. It's amazing. Um, toxic Superfoods. Um, basically, oxalates are, you know, they are naturally occurring in the human body. We do produce some of them, it's very small amounts, but they are predominantly from, from plants, essentially a plant toxin. Loads of different forms of oxalates, but they just kind of get lumped into this thing called oxalates. It's just a lot easier that way. And they are toxins. They are kind of essentially like crystal formation. So they're not living as far as I'm aware, they're not alive. And so they can't really get denatured by cooking, uh, contrary to popular opinion, um, so which makes them more challenging to deal with things like lectins, goitrogens, you know, other plant toxins, they can get quite detoxified from cooking, whereas oxalates actually usually get worse with cooking typically. Um, and they can cause all sorts of inflammatory problems. And they, they mostly look like, like needles or shards under the, under a microscope. And you imagine these just millions of needles, you know, microscopic needles, they're like 0.1 millimeters in size. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see them. You wouldn't feel them. One of them but you've got a million of them, you're probably going to feel them. And we accumulate these over the course of our lifetime. The more we eat, the more we accumulate. And then they just reach a kind of certain threshold, I suppose. And then they just start causing problems. So yeah, like one, you've got one tiny microscopic needle in your foot, 0.1 millimeters, you're not even going to feel it. But you you stand on a million of those, you're going to start to feel it. It's going to, your foot's going to start to hurt. And they cause all sorts of problems um, like bursitis, tendonitis. These are two very, very common things, especially hips like trochanteric bursitis, shoulder bursitis for no reason, no trauma, no nothing, just starts hurting. 
back pain, knee pain, joint pain, um, thyroid problems, potentially migraines, big, big one with migraines, um, potentially implicated, uh, strongly associated in humans with breast cancer, um, potentially you know, causative in, in mice. Uh, yes, we're not mice, obviously, but um, you know, in, it should show injecting mice uh, breast tissue with oxalates actually causes breast cancer. So, and very strongly associated in human breast cancer. So not causative in humans, but may well be. Uh, known to affect things like bone marrow, um, you know, cause skin problems, rashes. I mean, you name it, oxalates can, can kind of cause it. They're pretty serious stuff, actually. Yeah. So, okay, so they uh, known to cause things like breast cancer and affect bone marrow. Would they have an effect on, uh, as if they, if they affect bone marrow, they, that would affect uh, blood cancer? Potentially. Um, I'd have to do more research into that specifically, but potentially, yes, they could. Um, I mean, I've got uh, a patient at the moment who is uh, not doing a carnivore diet. They're actually just doing a low oxalate diet and they've had raised white cell counts across the board, this pan kind of, you know, leukocytosis for about 10 years or so. And, um, you know, I, I saw them for just other non-related kind of issue. I think just yeah, you know, shoulder pain or something, bursitis, I think it was. I spoke to them about oxalates and then they just kind of latched onto it, did some reading and were like, oh my God, I'm killing myself with oxalates. <laughs> I'm going to stop these. And then came back for a blood test and six weeks later, their white cells are normal. Oh, wow. For the first time in 10 years. I mean, look, that could be total coincidence. You know, that is that is not a, a causative randomized control trial. You know, that's that's not a scientific study, but very coincidental. Yeah. Very coincidental. So when you go on a carnival diet, your body, it goes through the oxalate dumping phase? Potentially, yes, it will. So carnivore is a zero oxalate diet. If you're doing like a strict carnivore, it's a zero oxalate diet. And then you can go through this, this oxalate dumping. Oxalate dumping is not something that is terribly well understood. Um, it's very hard to research oxalates because it's very hard to detect them. Um, blood tests don't really pick them up. Urine tests don't really pick them up in any reasonable amount. It just shows you that you've got some in your urine, doesn't show what's really going on inside your body. Short of then doing like biopsies and essentially autopsies, which doesn't really help anyone if you're dead, it doesn't really help. Um, it's very hard to actually study them to get like a randomized control trial or something like that. So it's very, very hard to study. But this oxalate dumping kind of syndrome is this kind of theoretical, but realistically we do kind of see it, syndrome where... You kind of just get all these stored oxalates just kind of getting the green light almost from the body to just come back out and to be excreted. The problem with that is your body only has a certain amount of ability to actually get rid of them, to excrete them. Uh, and it can usually in urine, but they can come out in stools. Um, eyes, like, you know, sleep and crusties and stuff in your eyes. Um, people yeah. getting like really bad pimples. That's often oxalate dumping if they're on carnivore. Um, being pushed out through the skin. Sometimes you can just literally like, you know, scratch yourself and you're like, oh, I can literally see a shard. Um, I had a patient today say they literally picked like a shard, almost like three millimeters out of their eye, oxalate, wow. you know, crystal. Yeah. And his wife didn't believe him and he showed her and it was like, she was like, oh yeah, that's actually a shard. <laughs> you know, like literally just coming out of their wow. eyes. Um, so, but there is a finite ability for the body to actually kind of get rid of these oxalates. And so... The body then kind of can't get rid of them all, but then it's just got this like massive release of oxalates and they, they cause a lot of problems when they're in the bloodstream. And my interpretation of, of what actually happens here is 
you know, in a simplistic way, the, the body kind of gets the green light to say, right, get rid of all these oxalates because you've gone to a zero oxalate diet. Uh, and the body can kind of finally push them out and get rid of them. But they can't really go anywhere because you've, you've limited how much you can get rid of. So then they kind of have to almost come back into the body. It's not really exactly, of course, how it happens, but that's my simplistic interpretation of it. And then they cause those problems again as they're kind of coming back in. So again, same kind of problems. Yeah, pimples, um, you know, diarrhea, vomiting, headaches, migraines, you know, joint problems, joint aches, uh, brain fog, the very fatigue. These are very, very common ones as well. Heart palpitations, quite common as well. Um, And then the last one, in my opinion, although again, this is not proven, is the keto rash. Uh, that people, some yeah. people experience this pruritus um, uh, pigmentosa, keto or so-called keto rash. I believe through my own kind of experimentation with patients and so on, that this is actually oxalate dumping and not anything to actually do with ketosis. But I've got no way to prove that. That's just a theory. Yeah. Well, a lot of carnivores, um, some of the, the symptoms they, they notice uh, on their healing journey, I should say, is... Um, their joints, they they get the inflammation goes down. They get uh, low, no joint pain, uh, and a uh, brain fog is lifting. So this would be get. I think you know, obviously getting rid of oxalates. Um, now the lymphatic system is also the the sewer system of the body. So and it's responsible for getting rid of waste. So that would get rid of you know um, the oxalates as well. Presumably, uh, I mean, it's, I'm not an expert in oxalates, so I'm, I'm still learning all about oxalates. Um, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to, to really research. Um, and loads of people, yeah. there is a lot of just opinion out there on oxalates. It's not that much real hard science because it's just so hard yeah. to study. So it's, it's really hard. You're kind of trying to piece together with just what everyone's saying. I mean, Sally Norton, I think, is very, very on it as far as oxalates, but even she admits like she doesn't know everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those questions that a lot of people ask as well. Um, but for me, uh, if you look after your uh, lymphatic system, I mean, it gets all the, the good parts, all the good things, your vitamins, minerals, proteins, everything, to T cells, everything to where they need to go. But it also is the waste system. So it gets rid of all the waste. So if you've got a healthy lymphatic system, uh, this is obviously, it's going to certainly help in that area, I would say. Likely, yes. Mm. Okay. Um, any particular electrolytes you recommend, such as magnesium or potassium, over and above what we get from meat? I actually don't really recommend electrolytes to people, um, which often comes as a surprise uh, to people. But I'm I'm still very much of the opinion that if you're needing, you know, any supplementation, if you need supplementation, that your diet probably isn't a complete whole diet and i would include carnivore within that to be honest if you're needing supplementation something's not quite right is is my opinion um having said that some people do get a lot of issues with things like cramps and electrolyte problems um myself i noticed that when i added in boron uh supplementation that i stopped getting a lot of electrolyte issues. I never had that much, but I did get quite bad cramps. When I added boron in as a supplement, I did notice vast improvements there. And when I added in liver, 
as a as a food, I noticed a lot of improvements as well and actually stopped taking the boron. So yes, I'm aware I've just said supplements, <laughs> you shouldn't need them. Yeah, yeah. But when I added in liver, that gives a little bit of boron. Uh, I guess it was enough to just get less issues, less cramps. So yeah. if you're going to have an, an electrolyte, I mean, I don't think there's anyone that's any better than anything else. Um, they're all expensive. Can you just make yeah. your own? Um, yeah, I, I don't recommend electrolytes. Uh, I, I don't use them myself. I use uh, just a mineral salt, yeah. a good mineral salt. Um, but yeah, yeah, things like cramps, uh, you know, uh, organ meats are like a, a vitamin or, or mineral sort of um, boost, you know, if, you, if you're having trouble with that. Um, the only one I would sort of use myself or I do use myself is magnesium. Um, because it, it works for many other things like uh, relaxation, uh, healthy mm -hmm. sleep, and uh, also muscle cramps and things yep. like that. But, um, yeah, it depends on where you are on your journey as well. Like we're all coming from different places. We all, it, carnivore diet is a species-specific diet, it's, so it's perfect. For, you know, it's what humans should be eating. But the problem is we're all coming from a different uh, areas when we come onto the carnivore diet, some of us are like morbidly obese or just un uh, metabolically unhealthy in many different ways. So along the journey, until we get healthy enough that all we need is the carnivore diet, you may need to supplement. That is that is um, true. Yes. Yeah. You know? um, and another thing is to the store bought sort of uh, supplements. I don't recommend generally because one they they are not um, not really regulated very well. Like if they only need a very trace amount to in in the supplements that they are uh, selling to say so you, know, you might have a very minute um, amount of magnesium in the pill, and they they can they can still market it as a magnesium supplement sort of thing. Yep. Um, Plus, they also break down in the stomach, um, so they don't actually make it to the digestive tract where they get, where they're supposed to be absorbed by the um, lymphatic system into the lymph fluid, where you actually absorb into the rest of the body. So uh, you have to be careful with, you know, lipid soluble or water soluble sort of vitamins. But if you eat them with a very fatty meal, will help protect them as well, so that it makes it to the digestive tract. So yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's just something to be aware of. It is. It's a good point. I mean, things like, uh, is it Prime? I think, uh, you know, is a good example. The electrolyte drink gets a lot of criticism because it's just got hardly any electrolytes actually in it. Um, that's right. The other thing with electrolytes is they're not specific. You know, if you just go and buy like an yeah. electrolyte drink like LMNT, it's just giving you a generic dose of sodium, potassium, magnesium. It's not specific to that person. And the electrolyte yeah. issues, they can be, you know, too much sodium, too little sodium. They can be too much potassium, too little potassium, yeah. too much magnesium, you know, and they're all kind of, well, what's, it's the potassium relative to the sodium, relative to the magnesium, relative to the calcium. And, you know, you can't just kind of go and buy an electrolyte drink and say, okay, I'm fixed. Like that's not, yeah. it's not really how it works. You've got to kind of actually try and, you know, work it out yourself. So that's yeah. why I usually say to people, right, okay, go, you know, buy some salt, some like pink Himalayan salt or, you know, whatever you want, just decent salt source for your sodium. Um, you know, potassium, get it in your meat or use something like even cream of tartar. Like, yes, it's not like pure, pure carnivore, but 
like realistically there's no real carbs or anything it's a tiny bit of corking agent whatever it's not going to derail you really use that as a potassium source or just get like a potassium salt but they're not always ideal either yeah magnesium you know maybe get like a magnesium tablet or something there but um actually experiment and work out what works for you not just buy an off-the-shelf generic electrolyte no that's right you yeah because it's probably um, going to another balance is, you know it's some of these electrolyte drinks they have artificial sweeteners and things like that and as well so yeah. um yeah it's something you, you really need to uh, find a good quality one um and uh, you know always read the ingredients how much uh, of these things are actually in them and you know as i said everyone's coming from a different place so you're going to need different um things you know you might need more uh, sodium or or potassium than someone else you know it also depends yeah. on your activity levels as well it does it's not just where you're coming from it's also what you're doing you know how much activity you're doing absolutely um, and near, near the start transitioning like keto flu usually that's sodium usually at the start yeah as well yeah yeah and that's a lot to do with people are just not used to the fact that you need more salt you know um when you go low carb because this you know there's a yeah. lot of sodium in a lot of the processed foods that you eat as well there is and you're just not used to adding it yourself that's right and so you've got to actually replace that um and and people are not used to eating that much salt they're really not yeah they're told to avoid it you know yeah um again you know everything on nutrition is complete lie it's completely upside down um, <laughs> yeah it's completely backwards so yeah it's just insane um let's just have a look at some of these comments okay we so need more yes we do thank yes, you thank you linda <laughs> One drug usually leads to more and more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, my years battling cancer and, uh, you know, like when I was on, so like, especially going through treatments, I was on literally bags and bags of medications, but half of them were to, you know, compensate for the side effects of the, the original drugs. So, yep. you know, that's just what happens. Mm. Um, doctor's giving up trying to talk to me. Yeah. Interstatins, yeah. Yeah, avoid them at all costs, you know. Um, well, I mean, look, maybe not necessarily. Um, the statins, they they do have a role for some people. For some people, yeah. I mean, if you can avoid, I mean, I mean, if you can, or if you can avoid medications, do it. But if you can't, then for yeah. some time at least, you're going to have to use them. Exactly. If you if you don't need medication, yeah, like you shouldn't be taking it, but statins they are prescribed way too widely far too freely to like 99 percent of people that take them probably don't need them but they do have a role for some people um you know things like aneurysms like they can they can reduce the risk of them you know basically exploding <laughs> uh yeah. so <laughs> for some people they they can have a role um some people can use to be like too anti-statin that they're like no no i'm never going to take them ever and it's like well actually it probably might actually save your life like for yeah. you in this one particular situation it's good but like 99 percent of other people no they probably don't need it so statins can a, be useful yeah. for some people but they're prescribed yeah. way too widely most people don't need them but they prescribe them and and they can cause problems as well they can cause side effects yeah, my my experience too is that um, medications should be a temporary measure as well. 
they shouldn't be seen yeah. as a permanent fix. They're just a, a band-aid for a temporary sort of um, you know problem that you should be able to fix, you know, on diet. Really, yes, mostly. Yeah. Okay, what do you know about salicylates? Late salicylates. Not a huge amount, if I'm honest. It's not my area of expertise. Uh, it's something that's on my kind of to-do list <laughs> in terms of research. Um, what I do know, question, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, salicylates do seem to bother some people a lot. Um, I remember reading, you know, hearing people talking about salicylates, you know, previously, way before carnivore and kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, maybe fine. Yeah, this is a this is a thing, you know, but then wondering is it really a thing and you know but i know better now of course i know these things are are you know pretty pretty real nowadays um some people get really triggered by salicylates they really can cause a lot of problems um they do tend to be quite high in foods which are high in things like oxalates as well so if they're doing a carnivore diet then you know they, they're, they're probably going to be removing most of those salicylates but they're it's 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 not it's not just as easy as getting rid of the um you know, the oxalates. So, cause sometimes meat can have issues as well. Um, shouldn't be very high in meat, but I think some things can, can be. So this place is not my area of expertise though. I'm afraid, Tony. Um, good question though. Um, just going back to that last, uh, one before is about potassium and, uh, supplements. If, you know, bacon is very high in potassium. Um, so if you do need potassium, that's a great source to, and, and as long as you get a, a decent quality bacon, that's not um, it doesn't have uh, add, you know things added that it doesn't need, such as uh, soy proteins and stuff like that. So, um, but very very good source of uh, uh, potassium. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. Um, it is. Mm. Hello from London. Hey, nice of you to join us. Hello, fractal beans. I'm coming. I'm coming back to the UK in a few days. Not going to London, unfortunately, though. But. Oh, that's a good question. How long have you been in Australia? I've uh, been here now for, it's just coming up to six years. Um, we came over 2018 and uh, yeah, I mean, that's another story in itself, but lots lots of push factors away from the NHS in England, you know, lots of pull factors yeah. to Australia. But I mean, like doing the work that I do now, I mean, like there's really no way you can do that in the UK. Um, yeah. You know, you get like five minutes with the patient. I mean, most of my appointments nowadays, they're like an hour. Like I can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't do it in five minutes, fix yeah. everyone's issues. You know, all you can do is just band-aid like here, have some drugs, you know, off you go. That's all, that's all you I think do. that depends on the clinic too. A lot of, a lot of them, well, mostly here, they're the same, you know, pretty much they want you in and out in five minutes, you know, they same. don't really want to listen to the problem, mm. you know? Mm. All right. So we've got a good question here. Um, there's a lot of public or rather top down pressure to switch to plant-based diet. I'm supposed to go vegan by 2030. Yeah, pretty much the world. Uh, they're trying to ban meat. Um, the only way to combat that is through science. Any free databases? Um, databases in in what sense? Um, not sure what we're looking for in terms of databases there. But yes, I mean this is an issue. This um, you know this kind of conglomerate of cities. I can't remember the the, the name for this uh, this group now, but it's. Uh, that's Ron, yeah, being spearheaded essentially by by London um, and the mayor of London and, you know, essentially trying to get the world to, to ban meat. Um, 
but then but then it's it's even more things like you know just you know you can limits on domestic travel and uh you know you can only buy like what three three new pairs of clothes a year or something like you know I'm, someone's gonna fact check me on that and i'm probably wrong but along those lines you know really trying to actually you know there's a question about people's liberties here you know at what point are you just really just like a totalitarian you know regime when you're just saying no you can't you can't travel you get one airplane flight flight per year one voucher you get three clothes per year change clothes you know like what the hell are we living in <laughs> it's yeah. insane yeah that's exactly right yeah. absolutely crazy but, yeah, yeah it's going for it it's it's just ridiculous you know this this thing that they're trying to do and this obsession with yeah, like banning meat, like meats meets the cause of the world's problems. Like really, we've been eating meat for five million years. This is not the cause of the world's problems, you know. Yeah. And and going vegan is not a solution. I mean, I've put things on my channel before about you know plant based diets, of course, and 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 inadequacies, nutritional deficiencies, you know, all these things. This is not a solution to the problem. Yeah, I mean. Um vegan i mean if anything the their solutions are the problems um you know their green their so-called green energy is uh massive polluters that don't work um they you know the the vegan so-called answer you know farming for vegan is you know gets rid of it, it destroys um your health for one thing anything vegan diet is highly processed um and it is also very bad for the environment. You know, it kills off a lot of vegetation and a lot of uh, wildlife animals. Um, and getting rid of rudiment animals such as cows and things like that also destroys topsoil. You know, we need these animals for to create topsoil. It does. You know, one one of the biggest problems. You know, when uh, you know thousands of years ago, when Egypt. Um, put all their slaves on, on grains. Uh, you know, they had all these farms and everything. It, where the pyramids and everything were built, that was all jungle before. It had beautiful topsoil. Now it's all sand because of the same problem. Yeah, just um, excessive monocrop farming. I mean, I've certainly heard that story. I haven't checked the research, but yeah, I've certainly heard that yeah. that story. And there's a theory, this is why in Australia we have just, you know, basically the outback versus America with the Great Plains that we didn't have these yeah. ruminant animals, you know, cloven animals, you know, um, you know, putting hoof prints in the ground and, and dropping, you know, dung on the ground and fertilizing the ground again, weeing and pooing all over the place, you know, and, and yeah. re-fertilizing, you know, carbon, um, you know, kind of beef farming, for example, cattle farming is actually relatively low in, in its carbon emissions, carbon footprint. And the actual kind of cycle of, of grass to cow, back to you know grass is, is carbon neutral it's just this this symbiotic system Completely, you know yeah. cow eats the grass cow poops it out you know cow wheeze it out grass gets nutrition you know bacteria grow ev everyone's happy cows move along they they right. fertilize the whole field and they just naturally chew down the grass without that without chewing down the grass the, the grasses die because they get too big they don't get the sunshine you know they, they die and this is the theory and as to what's coming. the soil coming. doesn't get churned up by their weight. Exactly. And yeah. there's nothing going back into the soil and yeah. all these yeah. things. The water yeah. just runs off because there's no pooling yeah. for the water. You know, they, they, they make a footprint, it water pools, you know, all of these kind of things. Um, and then you, you've you got this idea that, yeah, like livestock farming kills kills all this vegetation. I mean, literally like cows can graze, like goats can graze on, on, a, on a mountainside almost. Exactly. And, and what, what can you, what plants can you farm on a mountainside? Like, no, none. 
you've got to you've got to just destroy like swathes of, of kind of forest and, and woodland and natural habitats to actually have enough land for plant farming never mind all the like millions and maybe even billions of of animals that you're killing when you're doing that harvesting all the pesticides that you're using all the herbicides and the, sh and the shooting the rabbits and things caught in the and combines even, and you know, all these things yeah, are like just no no we, we just we don't worry about that because they're just like they're just mice and stuff you know that's like the vegan the vegan logic um or just like insects you know billions of insects too, you know the deer and um you know kangaroos and all that you know they get poisoned off and they die a very slow painful death so that they can you know on the flat ground so they can um plow you know plow for grains and things like that yeah so you know whereas cattle they they grow they graze on the side of a mountain somewhere and you don't have to you don't even have to cut down trees or anything so no you don't and you don't have to cut down hedgerows or soil exactly yeah. without exactly. cattle you lose you lose topsoil and you you'll see that when it rains um, like here in Australia, when it starts raining, and you see all that that brown water going down the road, that's your top. That's losing topsoil. Mm. You know, so yeah. you know we really need them. We do not just for our health, you know, for meat because that's what we are supposed to eat. But it you is. Know, for the environment, it is. We've been eating meat for you know the better part of two and a half million years, probably longer. And you know, I saw an article today. I don't know if you've seen this. It's in the uh, the news.com.au. You know, this Dr. Zach that's getting a roasting on social media now. Um, I don't know who this Dr. Zach is, but um, you know, basically saying, essentially, an article we should we should eat seed oils because these are good for us. It's part of the natural human diet. To slightly paraphrase what he's saying, and whereas animal fats are not, and it's like, hang on. So you're saying what we've been eating for the better part of five million years is not a natural human diet. But what we've been eating for 150 years, which is essentially manufactured, artificial, engine lubricant, <laughs> is a natural exactly. thing to eat. Um, yeah. I don't think yeah. he knows what natural means, maybe. No, no, <laughs> exactly like, right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's something people don't understand, too, is that these so-called seed oils, these vegetable oils and everything like that, these are engine lubricants. Yeah. They're in the, the start of the, like, the Industrial Revolution, they were uh lubricants in machinery in factories now we deep fry everything in them and everything is you know contains them you, know, you, you get these vegetable oils or salad dressings uh mm. even health foods like protein bars protein powders and things like that that's right you know, um even even jerky even beef jerky things like that you have these um oils in you know yeah. mixed in the lot so i was just reaching over to grab this book the big fat surprise this is not my book this is nina Tycho's book excellent yeah. book if anyone wants to kind of you know delve down the kind of seed oil seed oil and and, and saturated fat kind of rabbit hole <laughs> and cholesterol uh, the reason yeah and people don't understand it, the, the the key role of the lymphatic system is, is to absorb fat now animal fats give us all our vitamins, minerals, and proteins, okay, that we need for our bone health, we need for our uh, immune system and everything else. Um, but it, it can't tell the difference in absorption. When it's absorbing this fat, it can't tell the difference between animal fat and these, these engine oils and, uh, you know, veggie oils and soy being one of the worst ones. Yeah. Um, so it, it absorbs that into our lymphatic system and pushes that. Instead of getting all the nutrients and proteins that we need, we're getting poisoned. 
Okay. Pretty much. Because these oils, these oils have do not have any of the nutrients or proteins that we need to feed our body to recover um, from our daily life. You know. Yep. Uh, recommended websites are health, nutrition, clinical applications, and ketogenic diets. Um, uh, there are a number around. Um, I actually I do read a bit on um, nutrition with Judy. She's quite good. Um, yeah, I think you know. Have a look around. I can't really think of many off. off Diet doctor's off a pretty head. good one, but it, it's a little bit yeah. plant plant heavy, in my opinion. It's more yeah. just like, yeah, low-carb keto. It's good for like introduction to low-carb with things like diabetes. I do direct my patients to that. Uh, if they're wanting to not do carnivore, we'll just do like a low-carb. But there's nothing yeah. about like plant toxins or anything like that really on there. But Diet Doctor is pretty reasonable. Another, I'm not sure about free ones, but a great one, uh, a great resource is Dr. Zoe Harkham. Uh, mm. She's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, she just did a really good kind of, you know, takedown of this uh, this article from Harvard. You know, health is you know oh, meat yeah. causing red <laughs> red meat causing diabetes. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. quite funny too. Um, yeah, of course, of you know, like uh, Dr. Baker, Dr. Berry, Dr. Chafee, they all ha they're all good resources as well. Um, the Ribeiro Group, okay, which is Dr. Baker's group. Um, yeah, these are all really good resources, but as for free ones, it's a little bit more difficult because um, there's a lot of work involved in this sort of stuff. So There is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, free, yes. I mean, like, obviously, YouTube and things. I mean, sometimes you need to take it with a slight pinch of salt, but, yeah, you know, if you just kind of research as much as you can, you know, watch as much as you can, read as much as you can, um, you, you'll start to kind of build the picture um, and then you can go down, you know, rabbit holes and, you know, and things as you want yeah, to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fermented products, e.g. sauerkraut, kimchi, apple cider, vinegar. Yeah, all good. Um, you know, for many years I used a sauerkraut and apple cider vinegar uh, before I went to Carnival. <laughs> they were very useful. Sauerkraut especially for, um, well... Sauerkraut is really high, quite high in salt, so it's very good for things like esophageal mucus, uh, like after a cold or flu or something like that, or or during. So it's very good for that, but it, um, also for help help reset the stomach. But brilliant for IBS. If you have any IBS problems, sauerkraut is really good. Um, apple cider vinegar is another great one for esophageal mucus as well. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think I'd, and, I'd, and I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't personally do sauerkraut and kimchi. I do apple cider vinegar. I used to do it a lot in my drinks. That was my like energy, you know, electrolyte drink was salt, sodium, uh, apple cider vinegar, maybe like a teaspoon of, um, uh, what did I say? Um, uh, I can't remember what I was talking about now with the potassium, um, but uh, I've done, I haven't done it in a while. <laughs> um but uh it's uh, that that i'm a big fan of apple cider vinegar yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah um it's really good for mix, like yeah gut um, microbiome particularly yeah 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 um yeah it's really good for resetting the stomach um yeah i after uh like three solid years of chemotherapy i had massive ulcers in my stomach and things like that 
um, apple cider vinegar really helped with that. Um, but I used to mix it with um, a little bit of uh, lemon juice as well. So lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, and water. It's also very good electrolyte. Mm. Um, and also very good for uh, esophageal mucus and things like that after colds and flus and, you know, also a bit of a vitamin shot. But I used that mostly when I was on like a low-carb diet um, and I haven't, I just haven't needed it since going carnivore. So it depends on, depends on where you're coming from as well. Like I said before, you know, we're all coming from a different area. We've had many years of abuse or the, the, just the wrong food. Um, so you're going to need, you might, I mean, a healthy person will only need steak, will only need the carnivore diet, a strict carnivore diet. But some people may need supplements because they are coming from a different place, you know. Yeah, I'd probably throw organs into that as well. Like they, they can be really useful Yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, organ meats are like a, a vitamin shot, you know, or a mineral shot. They are. I mean, I, I used to tell people that, yeah, a liver, I didn't think we really needed organs. But to be honest, I mean, when I added in organs, like my hair started regrowing. <laughs> so it, uh, I'm yeah. kind of changed my tune. I was obviously yeah, lacking a lot of something. Have said that. Yeah, obviously yeah. I was lacking something. A lot of people have said that. Yeah, yeah within a week of putting um, yeah, iron's, back in. Iron's one. Yeah. Iron's one big thing for hair, hair growth. Um, yeah, I mean, like, my my bloods and stuff were all great. Like, wasn't deficient in anything, like, not even remotely deficient, not even close to, but something about the liver. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it was. Clearly, there was something, because the moment I added it back in, my, my hair started regrowing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was copper. I don't know. I'm not sure I ever checked my copper levels. It, it could have been copper. I don't really know. But yeah. there was obviously something that I wasn't getting in the, the ribeyes and the chuck and the mints and everything yeah. else I was eating. Yeah, because the liver, the the liver usually has uh, is really high in minerals because that's where it sort of filters all those yeah. minerals in, you know, mm. in the blood and stuff. But um, I've been told that copper is very good for the hair follicles mm. and restoring the color in your hair, not yeah. just regrowth, but the color. I've certainly heard that it may be the copper. I really don't know, but something. Yeah, about liver is making my hair regrow now. So I've been eating liver now for a couple of months. And yeah, I mean, like I was like completely, completely bored in the middle here. And yeah, like I've still yeah. got, <laughs> still got a way to go, but it's, it's yeah. fun. It's like nine days. Oh, it is regrowing. Oh yeah. It's a phenomenal difference. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. And I'd, I'd tried things like, um, minoxidil and dutasteride and stuff to, yeah, exactly. to regrow it and nothing really worked. Yeah. Liver really good. Yeah. My inner niche is working on a critique for uh, selling as veganism and enabling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a few few anti-vegan comments. <laughs> well, you know, I can understand that. I mean, I'm not anti-vegan or anti-vegetarian. Um, you know, um, just, I just... Uh, you know, these people, a lot of them are just nuts. Um, they're just not getting the nutrients to the brain. They can't think properly. Um, and they're just, wow. on on average, they just seem to be very, um, I mean, not all of them, of course, but um, they're just a little bit unhinged, you know. Well, certainly, I mean, my experience of, 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 of vegan kind of vegetarian patients is um, the vegans are much more extreme than the vegetarians for sure. And, um, you know, I work no. with anyone I've got, I've got vegan yeah. patients, you know, and they know I do carnivore and whatever. And then like, we just, 
reach a happy equilibrium and you know that's it we just don't talk about meat yeah. <laughs> it's fine yeah but uh, and i just help them how i can otherwise but yeah i mean there, there are serious nutritional deficiencies you know on on kind of vegan yeah. diets whether or not you believe it whether or not you want to believe it like it's very very true and and you can't get everything from a pill you can't supplement everything you know right. and uh what's his name brian johnston uh not to be confused with the liver king this uh, tech billionaire or millionaire, multi-millionaire, billionaire, whatever he is, you know, and he's, yeah. he's essentially vegan as far as I know. And he's, he's taking like a hundred tablets a day to try and live longer. And even yeah, to the point where he's he like, himself with his, his son's, son's blood. blood. Yeah. And it's like, my God, like he's a yeah. vampire almost, yeah. you know, like, and it's like, okay, yeah. dude, just eat meat. Like what's wrong with you? Mm. And the thing well, is, he's, was, he's um, taking a hundred tablets, and he's he's not even supplementing creatine, like the one thing that's been <laughs> proven to improve health, yeah. and he's not supplementing creatine. Yeah. And it's just like it's crazy. Yeah, it's just insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's insane. Like we were saying before, like a lot of supplements you just don't absorb anyway. It wouldn't matter how good the pills are. You just your lymphatic system does not absorb them. No. Okay, that's why you need animal fats and animal proteins okay yeah um two million because we are built our lymphatic system is built to absorb animal products that is it um so that's what we should be eating Mm. um but yeah that guy he's absolutely unhinged um but he injects himself with his son's blood something just not right there yeah yeah there was no no there was something there was a study done in russia that something came out of russia about Six years ago, I remember reading about. They found that um, injecting old mice with younger mice blood uh, actually made the older mice younger, in um, uh, lived longer, more vital. Uh, they had more vitality, lots of energy, mm-hmm. and uh, took away a lot of the health problems of the older ones. Um, so you know, I can see that becoming a problem. You know, if humans started doing that, you know, they start using their children for blood. That, you know. That's a serious, like, slippery yeah. slope. Yeah, that's a serious Yeah, very issue. slippery slope when you start <laughs> yeah. doing stuff like that. Oh, yes. And obviously this this freak is already doing it. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily publicly call him a freak, but yes, I would have reservations about what he's doing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, well, it's certainly not a normal thing to do anyway. No, it's a little bit, a yeah, little bit out of the Cal- ordinary. Hello, California. <laughs> hello, California. Yeah. Meeting wellness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. $2 million a year, yeah. It's... Yeah, $2 million a year on supplements. That's, yeah, it's just yeah. not, that's, no. that's not healthy. Yeah, that's, It's not. It's that's not. really not healthy. And what do I spend on meat? Like $10 a day on meat? It's like, what's that, 3500 yep. a year, dollars? Like... And that's yeah. that's Australian dollars, not not. It's certainly going to be a lot healthier. Oh, absolutely! It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good point. A lot. A lot of um, vegans are finding it. Like I know a lot of people just they go vegan for a couple of reasons. You know, they feel bad for the animals for one, and I get that. And, you know, but you know, thing is, we are what we are. Um. But generally speaking, they just want to be healthy. You know, most people yeah, most of them. just want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very difficult. It's made, it, it shouldn't be because 
you know, eating should be as natural as um, it's basic instinct that it should be just as easy as breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's made complicated because of, you know, corporations, education and everything else. But uh, we can, you know, that would just take the rest of the year to talk about. So, yeah, we could talk about um, that all night long, but um, yeah, no, it is. I mean, yeah. most people, they, they are just, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to be healthy and it's really hard because the messaging yeah. out there is just like, go plant-based, don't eat meat, meat's yeah. going to kill you, plants are amazing, yeah. it's natural, it's green, don't worry about it. Yeah. When you get sick, like, no, it's not your diet, it's just, you know, you lack these drugs. So, excuse me, go on to these drugs. And uh, and that's just, yeah, people are getting sicker and sicker. Yeah, that's right. Um, another thing I'd like to talk, uh, tell, uh, talk about too is, um, okay, People worry too much about blood markers on their blood test. Um, there's a number of things that will affect your blood test. Uh, for example, activity before your blood test, mm-hmm. um, what you ate and what you didn't eat and things like that. Um, but also remember that these um, guidelines for our blood, like our markers, okay, were set up by a corrupt medical system. So... You know, they the reason why they want your cholesterol below five point one, for example, is because they want you on low cholesterol. They don't want you to be able to think. They don't want you to be able to. They don't want you healthy. You know. Maybe um, you do. You do start to wonder, don't you, about that? But mm. um, no, people do get very obsessed about their blood tests and. Yeah. Particularly, I mean, yeah, LDL cholesterol. We can talk about that if you want. I'm conscious of time, but I mean. Of all time in the world is fine, uh, yeah. but um, we can expand on that another time, too. yeah. We can do it if you want, but yeah, I mean, people like things like, like um, nutritional deficiencies, like they so I got something in my throat, um, yeah, people get really kind of I want my blood test, I want my blood test, and they kind of they don't kind of come in and say, like, oh, I feel unhealthy or I want to feel good, they're just like, I want my blood test, they just want to know what yeah. the number is, and it's like, well, that's you know, a like that doesn't mean you're healthy. And B, like, let's actually talk about what symptoms you're having rather than just indiscriminately doing blood tests. But so much of the time, you can't even pick up deficiencies on a blood test until they're really late. And then you've, then yeah. you've really got a problem. Magnesium is a really good example of that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I, they do, they get very obsessive about um, their blood test. Um, you know, I have blood tests done every three months because of blood cancer. But you have to, yeah. You know, yeah. And it, otherwise, I just wouldn't bother with it, honestly. Like, if unless you have a health issue, I, I don't really recommend just getting them checked all the time and, and obsessing over it because a lot of it is, um, you know, activity levels before a blood test. I've I've gone through this before. Like I, I've. I actually went to the gym the morning before, like, and then went straight to a blood test. And your markers just all over the yeah. place. So they're going to be off. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a, um, I think, perhaps a slight caveat to that, and that's when you're starting something like a carnivore diet, or I mean, any any kind of diet, you know, kind of health plan. Essentially, it is good to get a baseline for stuff, um, and then maybe yeah. some monitoring for the first, yeah, maybe six months or year, maybe. And then after that, you probably yeah. don't really need it if things are pretty stable, but I mean, on carnivore, and we could talk about this if, this if you want, I have seen some people having issues with things like testosterone, for example, with men. 
um, with women SHBG going up quite high, sex hormone binding globulin and some things like iron overload. And, you know, there has been some issues that I've seen with people with carnivore um, that could happen on any diet. You know, it's not carnivore specific, yeah. um, but we wouldn't have necessarily picked those up as early if they hadn't have come in for those blood tests. So there, there was a, there's a slight caveat to that, I think. But yeah, useful again, like, blood test. But knowing, when, yeah, working with the doctor on, to say, well, this is when you should do your blood test and don't exercise before and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, when you do go on to carnivore diet from a like a the standard Western diet, your body is going to go through a transition period as well. You know, so numbers are going to be all over the place when you first start out because it's it's trying to uh, cope with the change and it's trying to adjust. Um, so, you know, they're going to have that sort of stuff going on as well, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't think you should obsess about it. No. Um, and it's just, and that's uh, just, you know, you get, you start stressing about these sorts of things, you know, and you start producing cortisol and that's going to give you problems as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and literally, I mean, you start talking about cortisol as well. Like people start stressing about avoiding stress. You know, yep. it, it's crazy. Yes. Because you, know, you just obsess about it. So, um, you, you know, just try and put it into perspective as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That is important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Um, well, let's uh, thank Dr. Suresh Kowadka for his time. Um, 